Why is it the same repetitive mistakes continue to rob salespeople of more commission checks, regardless of industry, size of company, or region of the globe? These same inhibitors are holding us back from reaching our full potential. Amongst many industry awards, Ian Selby achieved the accolade of top salesperson in the world at Apple. And in this podcast, he will discuss the issues that sales professionals encounter from his own experiences, confessing to the problems he has endured and how he overcame them, giving the benefit of his wisdom to everyone listening who work in the world of sales. To help you, he will reveal strategies to overcome the issues hurting salespeople and helping you reach new levels of sales success. Confessions of a Sales Pro. Lessons, more wins. With your host, Ian Selby. Welcome to Confessions of a Sales Pro. My special guest this week is a gentleman by the name of Paul Schnabel, Senior Partner for Advantage Performance Group in Scottsdale, Arizona. Paul has been a Senior Partner for Advantage Performance Group since 2002. He works with clients in the areas of sales performance and leadership development to help individuals and organizations create breakthrough performance. Paul designs and delivers high-impact experiential learning programs in both virtual and classroom formats for a global client base. Paul's career includes serving as Vice President of Sales Mastery for the Real Learning Company. In that role, Paul diagnosed, developed, and implemented a variety of best-in-class learning solutions for a variety of organizations. Previously in Paul's career, roles included regional director, director of sales and operations for several leading companies in the learning space, including uh, Achievement Global, Information Mapping, and Zengler Miller. Paul has extensive experience as a keynote speaker for a variety of client and industry conferences. In the past, Arizona public speaking champion for Toastmasters International has and has authored many business publications and, of course, blogs. Paul, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Ian. I'm super excited to be here with you and your listeners today. I've uh, enjoyed your work and your podcasts and gotten a lot of really helpful tips from them myself. So it's an honor to be uh, with you here today. Well, thank you, Paul. And I must tell you, your, your bio is, is uh, a very shiny one. It's uh, full of accomplishments. And talk about a commitment to sales improvement and sales performance. You are certainly making a big dent in the sales universe. It's, it's my pleasure to have you on the podcast. And I'm sure our listeners will garner lots of value from your experience and the pearls of wisdom you'll drop on us today. The focus of this week's session is Paul's recently published book, Destination Inspiration, Charting Your Career During Turbulent Times. Paul, that certainly is a timely topic. What led you to write this book? Well, it is timely, Ian. And, you know, this book's been 25 years in the making, and truly it's a product of what I've been able to learn by working with literally thousands of amazing sales leaders and salespeople, you know, across the globe. And, you know, as I've worked with these folks, I started to notice one thing that they all had in common. What I noticed was how the most successful people also were the most inspired uh, by the work they did. And, you know, inspired people stand out in a crowd. They stand out at work. They show up differently than others because they've got that spark. They've got that passion. They've got that desire to make their workplace better to be a leader in the community. 
and to lift others up. So in other words, you know, they're inspired and engaged and they really go beyond mere compliance with their, their job requirements. They, they truly bring commitment to what they do. And, you know, their inspiration is authentic because you can't fake inspiration. And I'll, I'll be honest, I know because I tried to do that for a long time. So uh, a little bit about my background. So I grew up in the Boston area. I spent the early part of my career in a variety of individual contributor and, and leadership positions. And certainly I was successful at the work I did and, you know, outwardly appeared to be happy and inspired. Uh, but over time, Ian, it really became clear to me that I wasn't really feeling that inspired. And what, what started out as a barely detectable feeling that I should be doing something else with my career really became a force that was too big to ignore. And I knew I needed to make a shift, but I wasn't sure how to do it or really what it would look like. And I was at a point in my life where I had recently become a dad and my wife and I decided she would be a full-time mom. And so I was the primary breadwinner in the household. And it wasn't really a great time for me to be throwing caution to the wind and making major career transitions. So I really tried to stuff those feelings, but, you know, and just keep my head down and work harder, but I, but I just couldn't escape those feelings uh, any longer. And there were, there were days I said to myself, you know, how much longer do I have to do this? But then a few things happened to me that truly changed the course of my life and my career. So the first thing was I was involved in a, in a car accident. It wasn't really bad, but it was enough for me to realize that, you know, all we've got is today right? And that there's no guarantee of, of tomorrow. So that was sort of milepost number one. Second thing, I was part of an organization that uh, went through a merger with not one, but two other organizations. And if you've ever been through a merger, you know, just two companies merging is a big deal. Three companies merging is like planets colliding. So there was a lot of changes in roles and things like that. And the CEO asked me to, to be in charge of our first ever all hands company meeting, which I uh, was scheduled for out here in Scottsdale. And I remember that day I came home and told my wife, I said, I can't believe I have to do this. I've never done this before. And she, she looked at me and she said, you know, maybe you'll like it. Maybe you'll, you know, get a lot out of it. And, you know, Ian, the, the reality was that I did. I, I dug in. I really enjoyed building out the agenda and scheduling the conference. And, you know, I was the MC for the event and it was the first time we had a thousand people uh, together and, you know, first time I'd ever spoken, presented to a thousand people. And so I was really inspired by the, by the relationships that were being built that week. And I really decided to, t to take a risk. So that the last night of the conference, I stood up, uh, stayed up all night. I, I wrote some remarks. Uh, I came down the next morning. I brought down the lights. I pumped up the music. I delivered my 10 minutes or so and got a standing ovation. And it was literally in that moment where I had this epiphany that was like, this is how I want to take my experience in sales and in leadership and bring it out to the market in a new way. And so I flew home from that conference in Scottsdale. And I also fell in love with the desert in the area and felt like it would be a great place to be based from. And I said to my wife, I said, what do you think? I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, creating this new position for myself as a keynote speaker and you know, somebody that went out for our organization speak that, spoke at national sales meetings and conferences and things, and I'd like to do it in Scottsdale. What do you think? And she's like, well, I've never been there, but why not? Let's go. So uh, I pitched the idea to my CEO, and, and he thought it was a good idea. So three months later, we'd sold the house. We moved out here. We didn't know a soul. And uh, for the next 18 months, I built that practice as a speaker, and then I went out on my own and, and started my own business. And, you know, I haven't looked back since. And you know, I literally had found my passion and my inspiration. And, you know, I no longer have to ask myself, how long do I have to do this? Rather, I get to ask, 
how long do I get to do this? So I feel super fortunate for that. That's, that's a fabulous story, Paul. And, and what, one that I share, it's very similar when I started my business over 20-odd years ago. I had a stay-home wife, a couple of babies, and, you know, I'm coming from a great job at Apple, and I, I, but I was, it wasn't my passion anymore. It was renting my resume to the highest bidder instead of chasing my, my passion or my dreams. And good on you for having the courage and good on your wife for supporting you in that. And uh, what a beautiful place to be, Scottsdale, Arizona. It's, uh, you're living the dream, buddy. That's, uh, that's great to hear. Re- really proud of you. That's fantastic. So, Paul, in, in, your, in your, your new book, you talk about many different concepts and it goes beyond just, a perfect, it's a, there's personal in that. It's not just professional. And, and I love that, the connection, because we are one person all the time. We're, we don't turn channels on and off when we get to the office. So what, what's your take on what's being referred to as the great resignation? You hear yeah. these words. Yeah, it's really something, Ian. You know, and, and my take on it is that it's been building for some time. I think even before covid you know, in the organizations that I worked with, it was it was crazy. Uh, some of the things that folks were trying to juggle, and um, you know, there's an acronym some of you your listeners may be familiar with that was originally coined in the military to describe that kind of environment, and the acronym is VUCA, which is uh, stands for volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And I always use that term to describe the world that we worked and lived in pre-COVID. So COVID's only made that worse. I mean, I can't tell you how many times during some of these virtual sessions I've been leading, you know, I've had people that, you know, they literally have children crawling over them, dogs crying all, call, crawling all over them. I mean, they're trying to work and they've got the kids at home. I mean, I don't know how people really, really did it. I had one gentleman say to me uh, who was in one of my um, coaching sessions, he says, you know, we're not working from home, but we're living at work. And so I think what happened, Ian, is that COVID changed a lot of people's priorities. I mean, you've probably seen some of the statistics. I just saw one recently that said about 65% of employees are actively considering a job or career change. And, you know, I think part of what they're contemplating are, are three things. One is fulfillment. One is flexibility. And the other one is really purpose. You know, they want to be a part of a mission and a vision that's, that's bigger than themselves. There was an article in Forbes recently that said 31% of people who la- who've actually gone out on their own, landed new opportunities, opted for, quote, the ability to feel more engaged by my work. And it's that purpose that drives that discretionary effort, that inspiration, that engagement. So I, I really think it's a great time to rethink what you're doing. I think there's some companies and organizations that feel threatened by it, but I think there's others that see it as an opportunity. And, um, you know, if what you find... If, if you, what you do each day, if it seems to have no link to any higher purpose, you, you, you know, it's probably a good time to rethink what you're doing. And I really believe it's one of those errors that only comes along once in a while. And, you know, when there's a wholesale shift in the workplace and how work gets done. So I think it's an opportunity for individuals. Uh, and I think it's an opportunity as well as challenges for organizations. I think those stats are, are like doorbells, door openers. Like when you think about that percentage of people contemplating a shift or a change, it's probably never been that high. Uh, and, and that's amazing. And timely to you have just written a book to help people chart themselves through that, which 
which is which is fascinating. And I'm sure many of our listeners are contemplating, probably 65% of them are contemplating a shift or a change, uh, be it in jobs or roles or companies, uh, for that matter. So that, that begs the next question, uh, Paul. What are the implications of, of this whole great resignation for the whole sales profession at large? You know, on the whole, Ian, I think it's really good news for the sales profession. I mean, where else can you have a high degree of control of your earnings, you know, get the variety of work that comes with being a, a sales representative, you know, have the opportunity to create significant impact in the process. You know, there aren't that many roles that, you know, you can wrap all three of those in, in together. And I've talked to a number of people who have, you know, really become disillusioned with their current career. And I, I, I've asked them, I said, well, have you ever thought about moving into sales? Because there's so many people that have such great subject matter expertise, such technical knowledge that could leverage that, you know, if they moved into a sales uh, opportunity. And some people had thought of it, some people hadn't. I think, you know, to some extent, people, some people that don't know what the art of professional selling is all about still have this notion of Willie Loman and a pushy salesperson who doesn't listen. But you and I and your listeners know that's not what selling is about, right? And I, I think some of the most successful and inspired salespeople that I've met you know, have chosen a selling career and, and shifted into that from a different role. So some years ago, there was a really good friend of mine. We went to high school together. We went to college together. He graduated with an accounting mate, uh, degree and he took a role as a, an accountant. And after a couple of years, it was clear that that wasn't a great fit for him. He was really uninspired. And we talked a lot. And I, I'd been recruiting him for a while. I said, why don't you try selling? You've got such a great personality. And You'd have so much to bring to that role. And he finally decided he, he was up for it. So I was able to help get him a job in my company as a sales rep. And what I witnessed over the next couple of years was, was remarkable. I mean, not only did he become our top salesperson, but then he left, went to a startup and he grew the business, ended up being VP of sales. You know, they grew it to over $500 million in like five years. And so that's a real uh, story that talks to how people can take their expertise and leverage it, you know, in, into a sales career. But I also think, you know, if, if you look at the other hand here, there's a lot of talented salespeople who get promoted into leadership roles and it's not really their cup of tea and, and, and they don't make it. You know, I was having a, a coaching conversation with a fairly new manager recently at the request of their leader and he was promoted into sales management about six months ago. We'd been a really successful individual contributor, but it was obvious that he was struggling with the role. So when we met, I began asking him some questions about his work history, you know, and he, he loved his direct selling role. Oh, I love the work, he'd tell me. I couldn't wait to get to work in the morning. I really felt like I'd accomplished things by the end of the day. And then I said, well, how do you feel about this new role? And, and at first he tried to let on that he liked it all right, but then he really began to open up and he would say things like, it's frustrating, you know, because it seems like all I do deal with are people issues all day. And I said, dude, <laughs> I said, that's the job, yeah. you know, that right? I mean, job. that's the yeah. job. So, you know, it was almost as if a light bulb went on Ian above his head and he realized he didn't have the passion for managerial work that he had taken this promotion because it involved more prestige and seemed like the thing to do at this point in his career. And so many times the story ends there. So many times I've seen people wash out or end up leaving companies under those circumstances. But fortunately for him and his organization, you know, they were able to transition him back into a direct selling role instead of losing somebody like him who had such talent and such a great track record. 
Uh, and but the missing piece for him is that you know management just wasn't as aligned with his calling, you know, which he really for him was solving customer problems, you know, through the products and solutions that he provided. And once he was back in his own role, he quickly, you know, was able to regain his inspiration and was even more successful than he had been previously. So um, I think it cuts both ways, but I do think there's a lot of opportunities for people that ha- that have the expertise that, that want to develop the professional selling skills required for success in today's world. And I think it's never been a brighter future than what we see right now in, in the role of professional salespeople. Uh, that's got to have brought joy to many of the ears listening to, to this podcast today, Paul. And I totally know what you're talking about. It's almost like, be careful what you wish for. Um, it's one of the seven <laughs> deadly sins of sales management is to take your top, your best performer off the field, out of, out of the territory and put him behind a desk and give him a spreadsheet and see how he likes that. And, right. and man, it, it, it could be the death of great salespeople. So good on him for recognizing, good on you for coaching him through that, and good on the company for, for welcoming him back to a role he really loved. Right. And that, that's what, what a lot of what you're talking about, Paul, is having your purpose be aligned. If you're not convicted, you'll never be convincing. So you, you've mm-hmm. got to really believe in what you're doing, who you're doing it for. And know that it's the right role for yourself. I, I think I absolutely agree with the notions you're, you're talking about. What are some ways, and, and change is inevitable, right? Like, it, it, that's one of the great things about being in sales. Every day is a new challenge, and there's changes like oxygen. It's, it's constantly. Um, but in, in the context of changing careers, that's a scarier thing for most people. So what are some ways people can chart a new career direction and unleash that passion of theirs. What are some ways that I'm sure they're in your book, but could you share a few with our listeners? Yeah, I'd be happy to, Ian. So so providing a structure along with some reflection questions and high impact exercises, that really is the book and it's what it's about. And I really liken the journey to setting sail across a shining sea to a brighter future, right? A, A future full of passion and purpose and alignment like you talked about, adventure, and so just as there's seven C's on, on our planet, there's seven elements, seven C's I, I put forth in the book and they build on each previous one and each one has a particular purpose and area of focus. So for example, let's take one of them, which is about having a calling, right? So what purpose is calling you in your life? How are you aligned and behaving with that calling in your everyday work? You know, if there's a gap between your calling and your current circumstances, what is that gap and how can you close it? If you don't have a calling, how can you discover or uncover it? You know, it's not necessarily something that I was lucky. I mean, I feel like I get struck by a bolt of lightning. That doesn't happen to everybody. You know, I think there's other people that, right, there's other people from, you know, the tender age of free that seem to know what they were destined to do with their life. And that's great. And, uh, you know, I'm a little bit jealous of those people. That wasn't my experience. I think for the majority of people, it's a process of, of working at it and self-reflection and really, you know, trial and error. I mean, I think a lot of folks, you know, try some things in their career and, you know, after some length of time, figure out it's, it's not for them for whatever reason. Um, but I think there's some structure that you can bring to that process to, to help to accelerate it. 
Um, so, you know, I, I think the thing is that you gotta have it. You gotta have that calling. You gotta feel like what you're doing is aligned with your values and aligned with your purpose. And you know, when somebody has it, it's that inspiration that they bring. You know, there was a story in the Wall Street Journal a couple of uh, years ago about these reporters that were gathering information for a story on this check printing company in the Midwest. And they were walking the factory floor. It was the midnight shift. And they happened upon this janitor who was meticulously cleaning, you know, one of these check printing machines. And I don't know if you've had this experience, but sometimes when you see somebody that's engaged in a physical task and really taking great care with it, it's just a joy to watch. And so those, these reporters just stood there and watched this guy work for a while. And then they moved on and somebody tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, it looks like you're doing a great job, you know, with this work, uh, cleaning this printing machine and the janitor looked up didn't miss a beat he said well you know we have a new commitment that we make to our customers that we turn around orders within 24 hours of receiving them and if this machine is down because it's dirty or not well maintained we might not be able to keep our commitment to our customers and i thought the janitor gets it right the maintenance guy gets it he gets how the work he does contributes to a really you know important strategy a bigger picture for his company. And so having that calling, knowing that the work you do matters, that it connects to a higher purpose, I think is one step that's important in being able to discover your inspiration. I think the other one I I would comment on, Ian, is about capability. And that's the number one of the C's. You know, what are you doing to develop and acquire the knowledge and skills you need to support that calling? I mean, you touched on it. We live in work in a changing world. And I think you know, there's a quote by an educator named Eric Hoffer some years back that I think sums up the need to continuously improve in this kind of environment. And what Hoffer said was during times of change, the learners will inherit the earth while the learned are perfectly equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. So it's really <laughs> about that continuous improvement, right? And building that capability. And I think uh, those are a couple of ways that you can start to uncover, discover, and move towards your inspiration and your calling in this world. Well, I'm going to make a prediction right here that this new book of yours is going to be a bestseller. And it's so (laughs) timely, full of so much wisdom and some challenge for people too. We need to be challenged in our our mindsets and our current thinking if we're going to embrace change and follow the right path for our careers. It's it's so timely. So my final question for you today, Paul, is... What's one lesson, just one, that you've learned about living your best life? Uh, That's a good question. Just one. Um, Let me think. You know, what jumps out for me, Ian, is that there's no benefit to the world by you staying small. You know, thinking big takes the same amount of effort as thinking small. And, you know, you don't have to work on uh, living an inspired life. You know, but failing to take action means you're going to have to live with some level of disappointment or regret, and that's hardly the formula uh, for a great life. And, you know, I think about this woman that I had the opportunity to meet and interview some years ago. She, her name was Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, and you and some of your listeners may remember that name. She actually was the developer of the five stages of grief, so denial, anger, bargaining, et cetera. She, she founded the hospice movement. And she moved here to live with her son as she, as she got older. And, um, so I was doing some pro bono work for a, for a hospice. And they said, would you like to interview Dr. Kubler-Ross? I said, yeah, I'd love to. And so the woman that arranged the interviews warned me 
that Dr. Ross could be a bit challenging. So at the time she was, I'm guessing maybe in her early eighties, uh, she had suffered multiple strokes. She chain smoked like a chimney and said that, um, if Dr. Ross didn't like me within the first five minutes, she'd throw me out of her house. <laughs> I'm like, okay, no pressure there, right? No pressure there. Yeah, exactly. So I, so I drove up to her home and rang the bell and she called for me to let myself in and, you know, uh, had me sit down and we started talking and, you know, after about five minutes, she said, would you like a cup of tea? And I shook my head and so, and so I said, oh no, thank you very much, ma'am. And so she replied to that, well, you know, I'd like one. So why don't you go out in the kitchen and make it for me? <laughs> I said, I, but I thought to myself, I said, well, this must be going pretty good because at least she didn't throw me out. Exactly. Um, and I get a green light, not a red light. Right? <laughs> right. And I ended up spending, I don't know, a couple of hours with her and we talked about a lot of things. But, you know, there's one thing that stands out to me, Ian. And she talked about her work with the dying and she said, you know, for I've literally worked with thousands of dying patients over the years and they often have regrets, but usually they don't regret things they did. They regret the things they didn't do. And, you know, life is too short to live with regret and to not do the things that, you know, you need to do to become the person you're called to be and, and be that person that's, that's really living that inspired life. So that, that really has served as motivation for me. And, you know, I tell that story to a lot of the groups I get to speak to and, and facilitate with. And uh, I think it's an important lesson for us to keep in mind, you know, for all of us as we move forward. What, what a beautiful story that is, uh, Paul. I, one la and you're right. We, we don't regret and not spending enough time at the office, right? It's probably not <laughs> that. And, and getting that firsthand from her must have been an inspiring moment for you as well. That's, that's fantastic. Absolutely. So, Paul, before we let you go, I know, um, and, and again, thank you. I know you're a very busy individual, and uh, you've got a lot going on. Thanks for taking the time to, to speak to, to me today and all of our listeners. Uh, you, you've shared some wonderful information, stories, experience, and your new book. It's, I'm dying to get a, a signed copy from you. Uh, if I have to pay extra, I will. Uh, <laughs> how can how can our listeners reach out to get a hold of you, Paul? What would be the best way? Well, thank you, Ian. So there's a couple of ways. One is I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. You can find me there. Um, so that's one opportunity. The other is I do have a website that provides a little more information about the book, if you'd like to buy the book and some other things that I've done. And it's the website is www.destinationinspirationbook. Dot com and uh, on the website there's contact information there's contact forms it's it's a great way to to, to get in touch with me if uh, you'd like to uh, know more about the book or some of the other work that I do that's fantastic once again my my guest very special guest today Paul Schnabel senior partner for Advantage Performance Group in Scottsdale Arizona Paul thank you very much thank you Ian I appreciate it and thank you for listening to Confessions of a Sales Pro. If you have found this episode informative and helpful, we would be honored and appreciative if you would share this podcast with other great salespeople like yourself. And we look forward to you joining us for all new episodes weekly, every Thursday. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. 
If you'd like us to help you grow your sales commissions, visit us at salesmentoryou.com. Confessions of a Sales Pro. Lessons. More wins. With Ian Selby.